Welcome back to Teens Find Middle Ground. This week, we discussed racism as a whole in America. We covered the way history is taught in schools, racism on high school campuses, and performative activism. We additionally heard the experiences of many African-American participants who have been racially profiled or experienced racism and talked about the ways we can combat implicit bias and racial profiling. We also examined the use of the Confederate flag in America and Trump's decision not to change the names of forts and monuments named after Confederate generals. Our participants included teens from Florida, New Jersey, Maryland, Massachusetts, and additionally, two participants from Ghana, Africa, giving us an international perspective on the issues in the United States. Last week, we had the we just we kind of had a discussion about regarding like the police brutality and the Black Lives Matter movement. But recently, and it should be going beyond just the police brutality, and we should be taking a look at like the systematic racism that exists in. United States and the fact that that often was just ignored up until this point. So the first question we have is in your area slash school, how is the history of African Americans taught? And do you think it's sufficient? In Florida, in our standard US history books, the only thing they teach us is just like same thing, slavery and then segregation. Other than that no that kind of kind of racist because we gotta learn about all white history but we can't even learn about our own history and also like i guess we can go with that question is also how diverse is your student body and do you think that has an impact on how diversity is taught and how like systematic racism in america is like cultivated i live in a in a suburb north of boston and uh, our history program uh makes sure to put an emphasis on black history my town is extremely uh, not diverse. It's, I believe the last census said 94% white and 6% uh, people of color and other races. And I think the majority of units this year that we covered touched on how people of color impacted and how it, how it wasn't just white people in history. So I'm glad that that's what they're working towards but it still, it feels almost like we're trying to overcompensate for the fact that our, that our town is not very diverse. Do you think getting taught that history like has an impact on the way people view people of color? For the students who pay attention and actually try to learn their history, it does, but, the peop- but it's the people who are blatantly racist that aren't paying attention to the unit. So I understand that they have great intentions for making the unit as diverse as possible, but at the same time, the people who are actively being racist and saying things that are like mean towards people of color and black people are the people who aren't going to be paying attention. I mean, it all comes of how a person is raised, because like no one's born to be racist. It's just how that person is raised. If their parents teach them, hey, you're not supposed to like a black person, or you're not supposed to like an Asian person or a Mexican person. And then that kid grows up saying like, well, I'm scared of them because my parents tell me all these things, what's bad about them. That's why I feel that needs to happen, that sometimes a child has to learn on their own to make decisions without their parents. Cause- um, I'm from New Jersey, I'm from the North. I live uh, like 45 minutes outside New York City. Um, I can't really speak as to the exact New Jersey curriculum because uh, I took AP United States history, and that's more of a uh, national curriculum. 
And what I can say uh, from all the textbooks that I've read, all the content that we've uh, covered, I'd say that uh, African-American history was covered pretty heavily uh, in the curriculum. Uh, as it's important to the entire American story. I, I feel like we only learn about Black History during Black History Month at my school. Exactly. We don't really cover it during the rest of the year. Most of the stuff we learn, we have to teach ourselves. And there's a exactly. course for African American history, but if you don't take it, then you don't really learn it's, that much. That's my point. Like, it's sad that you have to take a whole course just to learn your own history about your own people. So I'd like to speak on behalf of my community, um, Bethesda, Maryland. Um, it's a very, we call it the Bethesda bubble. I mean, it's very white. And I think that sometimes here in Bethesda, we get like, we, we think that since, you know, we vote Democrat and we're a liberal, we're a liberal place and we're like, you know, we're, we can't be racist. Like that's what people think here. And it's, it's not true. And there've been, you know, many racist incidents that have happened at my school. We had two students in my grade who wore blackface. Um, last year and then this year there was some um, graffiti with the n-word um, and it's just really hateful things that have happened at my school so what the the school administration decided to do was to have every Wednesday to do a like a bias training thing like we would go to like a class for 45 minutes built into the school day and talk about you know these issues and while that on on paper sounds like a great way to you know learn about and you know, get rid of, become anti-racist. I mean, there were some people who just weren't, were skipping that class, or there are some people who didn't pay attention in that class or treated it as a joke. In my high school, racism is probably, is probably one of the more prevalent issues. We had the entire school uh, have several assemblies to deal with. We had uh, a person graffitiing the school with swastikas. I think performative activism is something that we've been seeing a lot recently in terms of people like posting on their Instagram stories and Instagrams and just, just to show that they support the community, support the movement. It's helping. I think we should be I feel like... I just think that people decided that, okay, that they're, they basically took two sides. They either became more vocal about what their opinion was or they decided to be a fake activist and start posting a black square on Instagram because if you if you take a look at people they they either actively did something to support the movement or they if they if they tried to support it they just would put up a little token of something that could like kind of represent their support in an intangible and non-consequential way like, I don't see how Blackout Tuesday even helped. I truly don't see how did that help, in my opinion. If you want to do something, write to your congressman or woman about these issues and then make a change. Because they're the only ones that can make this change because they have a higher power. I want to say, I feel like it's a trend, especially with influencers. But I also feel like it doesn't really matter when it comes to influencers with big platforms because in a way whether they care or not they're still giving it to their 15 million followers and the 15 million followers are going to do something about it because they don't know whether their favorite celebrity cares about it truly or not or whether they perceive as a trend so in a way they're spreading it even if it's not genuine have any of you experienced racism or like isolated 
examples of racial profiling where many people believe it doesn't exist. Many people, I don't know if you guys saw, but one of Trump's closest advisors just said that there are, yeah. is no dramatic racism in America. Well, why do America say racism doesn't exist because they don't have to face it? When I go into a store, sometimes like that one Karen in there would just start looking at you, you know, follow you around, just make sure, like, oh, you see her on every aisle you go on, she's just peeking, trying to make sure she's not making it like visible and stuff, but you know she's following you because like every aisle you turn, she's right there. And it's kind of like, well, dang, you racially profiled me, like thinking I'm about to steal something. No, not every black person is going to steal something from a store. And then, and your neighbor is like, we live in a predominantly white neighborhood. And then some teachers will be like, oh, you live there? Oh, really? How could you afford it? Like, that's none of your concern. My parents work, are very two hardworking people. They work in the school dishes. That's how they provide for me and my sister living this. One time, well, not one time, I'm in a performing arts program, and we go to honor choir trips. So these honor choirs, they're mainly full of white people. So I go, when I go there, they see me with white people. And when I try to speak to them, they'll be nice and they'll speak. But you can tell that they're, like, scared of me because I'm black. So then they'll go and talk to another white person from another state that they don't know, and they'll be completely comfortable around them. Well, I don't live in America, but, like... I am in Africa, so in Africa, it's like kind of the, it's even if there's like one person in your class who is like white, and it can be like a class full of black people, they're still going to like put more attention to the, that one white person. And even when you, even when we like travel and we come like to America, it's there's still racism there, even though like you're not technically African American, just the color of your skin, like. I don't, it just, it's just wrong, in my opinion, because it should be, in everybody's opinion, it should be, racism should be wrong in everybody's opinion, because it's disgusting, it's a, like, I don't know how to explain it, it's just so infuriating, I, like, I can't, I can't explain how it feels to get stopped by knowing that you, you can die at that very moment, and it's, it's just scary. Can I ask you a follow-up question, knowing that you live in Africa now? Yeah. Um, how is history taught there? Like, from what perspective are you looking at? Do you still learn a lot about European history? Do you mainly focus on African history? And what do you learn about America? Well, it's pretty straightforward. Like, they tell you about slavery and stuff. And I've, I've heard that in, like, America, they don't tell you about um your african like lineage and stuff but we are pretty straightforward with going now we don't really learn a lot of european history but we learn a lot of african history how do we combat this like it exists and it's very prominent but how can we combat like implicit bias and racial profiling this like rioting and protesting is actually doing a lot and i also think that because this has happened a lot of times before not to the extent of protesting but we've taken it to social media a lot of times but in like a week or two everybody just forgets about it and we don't go back to it but i don't really see that happening in this case because the world has just kind of like the world has just come together. everyone has just realized that it's wrong and everybody's tired of it george floyd was the last straw this wasn't the first and it probably won't be the last so i think if all of us, especially Gen Z, because our generation is doing a lot. I think if we continue to keep this up, 
it will come to an end in a few centuries. If we want to see really big changes, educate yourself. And like for the people that have siblings that are 18, tell them to vote. Or you have family members that are older than that, go and vote. I have a quote that I want that from MLK that I think is really, really interesting. And I want to hear all of your different thoughts on it because it's obviously from the 1960s. And I think it's really, really shocking how much of a similarity it has with right now. So it's from his letter from a Birmingham jail. And it says, I have almost reached the regrettable conclusion that the great stabling block in the stride towards freedom is not the white citizen's counselor or the Ku Klux Klaner, but the white moderate, who is constantly saying, I agree with you in the goal you seek, but I can't agree with your methods of direct action, who paternalistically feels he can set a timetable for another man's freedom. Um, I, I completely agree with this. Uh, one thing that we have to remember is that MLK, uh, when he died, his approval rating was extraordinarily low. Like, he wasn't a sort of, uh, a sort of universally loved figure as he is in present day. At the time of his death, he had something like a 29 or 32% approval rating. That's lower than the current president right now. So, MLK was uni- almost universally hated at that time. Uh, what we got to keep in mind is that racism still does exist and there are people that are unwilling to do it because it's something that makes them feel uncomfortable uh race issues are completely uncomfortable for white americans to talk about and for multiple people to talk about i think that the fastest way for for america to get a a substantial part of the population to be anti-racist i think the only fast way we can do it is to have our generation be the ones that lead that charge because it was kind of left to us so recently the minneapolis council city council pledged to start the process of dismantling their police department so do you think this is the right way to make a change and if not what could be done to create a more just society i think they're doing the right thing i have no problem with what they're doing Everybody that wants police reform, I have no problem with what they're doing. I don't think we should get rid of the, the police department, not because I think they're doing a good job, because without them, there'd be even more crime. But I think police instead should get more training, just like people that go to college should become teachers and doctors. They should go for like two to four years because police officers only have to go through like eight to 12 weeks of training just to become a police officer. And I don't feel that that's sufficient enough. Um, additionally, I, I personally think that beyond the police department and sort of uh, ethnic enclaves of African-Americans, uh, there needs to be additional investments in, for economic development. Like if you take a look at cities such as uh, Detroit, Michigan, where the auto industry completely, uh, when it wiped away uh, over overseas manufacturing jobs uh, in Camden, New Jersey, when you take away economic opportunities for people, People end up poorer, especially African-Americans. African-Americans have a median household income of $40,000 per year, whereas the median income, uh, median household income for white Americans is $70,000 per year. Uh, the taking away of economic opportunities disproportionately affects African-Americans, and it also increases crime in these areas. Every economically depressed area, regardless upon race, has a higher crime rate because of it. So I think that we need additional investments, such as uh, like in places like Newark, New Jersey, 
with the coming of Audible and uh, investments from Amazon, uh, the crime rate has gone down because people have jobs. Uh, and so if you take a look statistically, economic investment works and it helps people get jobs. It brings people back into the cities and it helps these communities grow. I have a question going off of that. Do you think that under the current presidency, race relations have become increasingly worse and um, and more polarizing? Or do you think that it's always been this bad, but this is the first time that people are really realizing the extent to which there are differences? I also feel like it's been just as bad, but now that Donald Trump is in presidency, the racist people feel more comfortable being racist because they know they'll be protected. Yeah, uh, Donald Trump actually uh, announced today, I believe, that uh, all these calls to rename forts such as Fort Bragg, uh, American forts named after Confederate generals and Confederate officers, that he's not going to change them. And uh, that's completely un-American to me, you know, uh, all these people that support the Confederacy, people that support uh, waving the Dixiecrat flag is completely racist. I mean, the con- what the Confederacy stood for is, I know that the South, uh, ha- this is like a touchy subject for Southerners and how Southerners wave the, the Dixiecrat flag as a sort of Southern pride thing when it really isn't. But There's one down the street from us that waves it. Exactly. Um, the thing is, is that a lot of people in this country have harbor a sort of uh, nostalgia for the age of, uh, say, racism and confederacy and a armed insurrection against the United States of America. And we need to remove these symbols, which are literal terrorists, armed insurrections. That's what the Confederates were. It's just simple truth. We got to remove all these symbols of it. And he just tweeted the United States of America trained and deployed our heroes on these hollowed grounds and won two world wars. Therefore, my administration will not consider the renaming of these magnificent and fabled military installations. Our history as the greatest nation in the world will not be tampered with. Respect well, our military. Well, that's crazy that because out. many of the bases are named after Confederate generals, and that's not American history. That's Confederate history, and Confederates are the enemy. Most uh, Confederate monuments were not raised shortly after the Civil War. It was raised during the Civil Rights Movement. You'll notice if you take a look at the empirical data, there is a significant spike in the amount of Confederate monuments and Confederate battle flags of uh, these people supporting the Confederacy, of these monuments going up. It's just simply... That's why many... That's why there needs to... In many schools, there needs to be... Dif- different, uh, like in, as you said before, in U.S. history class, we should t- be ta- teach about diversity. We shouldn't just teach about what everyone learns: the Declaration of Independence, Constitution, um, Revolutionary War. We should learn about the people who are not ta- talked about. This is mainly for international participants. What is your thought on the claim that America is the greatest nation in the world? Like, is that something? that you believe because of the freedom and equality that it does offer, equality, quote-unquote, or do you think that that's kind of a propaganda move by the United States itself? Yeah, so I'm also, I'm actually also from Africa, yeah, Ghana, that I feel like outside here, lots of people have the view that America is a great nation. Like, we know it's a first-world country and everything, but we also understand that a lot of wrong things happen there and a lot of there's a lot of inequality that it's mostly dependent on how you look as to how you be treated and the jobs you find there the people you meet and stuff like that so 
we understand that there's a good section to going to America and there's also a bad part of it. Obviously, like um, Phoebe said, there's like a good side to going to America. And I feel like we only go there most of the time for the education because um, sure, it's like stereotypical, but like Africa, sometimes it does, not a lot of places have a good, good education. And like I'm saying from the like, African side, Africans think that it's like amazing in America, but it's not really that you still be like you still be a victim to racism. People believe that when as soon as you go there, you have a better life and like money grows from trees, but it's not really that. Do you guys think that there is anything Donald Trump can do to maybe help race relations in our country? Go to funerals of those of the black men and women that have died in the hands of cops. Go to those funerals and tell their family, like, I am here for you. We're going to get this done. Elected officials should be there to solve problems. That's why we elect them into office. And if, yes. if our elected officials aren't solving those problems, then it's our duty to get new elected officials in there who are going to solve those problems. Yeah. It's weird that he was promoting people who are protesting for during the coronavirus outbreak. Yes. He was encouraging them to protest. Mm-hmm. And now that people are protesting peacefully for a good cause, he wants to just break them all apart. People who are protesting in Washington, D.C. and all across America are fighting for their rights. They're not fighting because they don't want to um, go out and socially distance from people. It's terrible that everything is happening because people should be treated the same. Like, people who are arrested should be charged for the crime, not who, what they look like. It's crazy to think that this is still happening even after everything that has happened in this country. It's just still happening today, which is... How do you think, like... We can, how people who are on, I don't know if this, this has not really become like a left and a right issue. It's more just a human rights issue. But how can you reach people from the other side who don't believe that racism still exists, who don't believe that black lives matter over all lives matter? How can we like stop the all lives matter thing? Um, Complete lie, because obviously our lives have not mattered and the other minorities lives have not mattered. So until my life starts to matter, then all lives will matter because we're not talking about all lives because white lives have mattered for so long. And then um, recently in Congress, they released um, a bill and it, um, it's, it's really um, comprehensive and it, um, force, it makes sure the police actually use um, body cams, which is good. It bans, um, it bans unannounced raids in people's houses. So I, I really think that um, change needs to happen and we need to vote on certain legislation. Congress needs to vote on certain legislation, the Justice and Policing Act. It needs to be passed because this is this is really pressing issues, and this act will also um, ban use, the use of chokeholds. It will yes. also make police accountable, which is the most important thing. We need police to be. How do we keep the talk about racism and discrimination and all of these important issues like alive in America after the trend is over? Um, I kind of feel like people just need to be reminded that either way, at the end of the day, this will never be over and that this will always be something that's recurring unless people start stepping up and doing the right thing and trying to prevent it and start joining the movement instead of going against it. You can also like you can contact your um, senators and representatives and let your voice be heard that way to show you that you have an issue with what's going on in this country and they can possibly create legislation or something like that to fix these problems as you're seeing in this country right now well thank you all so so much for being here i think this was a very productive 
discussion and it was very interesting to hear so many different perspectives from all over the United States and also thank you to our two participants from Africa. It's really, really interesting to have an international perspective on what's going on. We want our discussions to be a reflection of all viewpoints. So if you are a teen and you feel that your opinions were not reflected by this podcast, please join us to be heard.